What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older, 18 and older in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. Arby's better not catch you slacking on snacking with their new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps. And your choice of ranch, barbecue, honey, mustard, and a bonus flavor called Incredible Value. You can't taste it, but boy, is it sweet. Arby's two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. What is poppin'? Logan Murdoch here, Roger Bell there. Roger, I'm fresh off of the road. I have just gotten back from Sacramento um, from a game that we will discuss later. But while I was at said game, all eyes were on Milwaukee and the out-of-town scoreboard at Golden One Center. Um, and just seeing the back and forth. You know, I was I was sitting next to uh, Ramona Shelburne yesterday, and we were just looking at the scoreboard on the Golden One center right we're seeing the bucks we're going um we're going into the fourth quarter see the bucks are up about 16 we're like oh this is good this is cool you know this is gonna be a series it's probably gonna go seven games you know we're here this is gonna be a great series the playoffs have been great let's let's fucking let's fucking see a 3-1 deficit erased right Mm -hmm. and then we start seeing that lead trickle on down or i was just trickle on down we had no idea of the grave mistakes that the Bucks were making down the stretch, just the insanity of how bad they were, and then also the, just the play of Jimmy Butler. I saw the highlights this morning. I saw everything that we are going to discuss. But the first question is: Does Jimmy Butler have mind control over the NBA, Raja? <laughs> does he have mind control over the NBA? Well, I think I think when we were previewing the playoffs. And we were still in the play-in. I, I referenced a series from a couple years ago with the Bucks and the Heat, and and I thought, I thought the Bucks were going to be too strong. I don't know that anyone saw this coming. If you weren't a Miami Heat fan, but you had to acknowledge that the Heat and Jimmy Butler are a problem in a way that it didn't really matter if they were an eight seed or whatever seed. They just they played them tough. Like they played them tough in playoff series. They're not afraid of them. They think that they have counters for what the Bucks do. And Jimmy Butler, unlike 
really any other player, because I, I, I want to be fair to other players and Jimmy. Like Jimmy's a great player. And other players certainly have had phenomenal playoff series, right? Like in phenomenal playoffs and won championships. But Jimmy, unlike any of the rest of them, really does kind of turn into a different version of himself offensively in the playoffs. It's really, it's a really strange thing to watch. It's, it's, uh, if, if more people could do it, I'm sure they would. It's just, it's a Jimmy thing. And so he pops into this and he, I love to watch him at, at press conferences say, nah, man, I just be out here hooping. Like, it's not like that. Oh, it's like that. Like offensively, at least he turns into a different dude. And and I can't imagine that, that Spo and company is like, Hey man, now your role changed after 82 games. Okay. Now we need you to do this. It's not like that. He just clicks into a different mode. I'm going to give you some stats, Raja. 42.7 points, 7.3 rebounds, 60% from the field, 45% from three-point range. That is Jimmy Butler's stats. What was the last 45 from three? 45 from three, yes. 45.5 from three. So we can round that to 46. That is like Steph Curry numbers over the last three games. It started It started in game four where the Bucks, and we're going to get into the Bucks side of this in a second, but where the Bucks up double digits, and Jimmy Butler says, "Nah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the whole city of Miami on my back. I'm going to, I'm gonna do, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to score every point down the stretch. I'm going to demoralize the opponent. I am going to win this game for us." And you saw a bit of that in Game Five, right? Where you know this is also a game where the Heat could have just lost, right? Like, and it wouldn't even been a bad should have lost. If they lost the game. Should have lost. Wouldn't have even been a big deal. Go back to Miami, wrap it up. Similar to the Lakers in the in the Memphis Grizzlies series that we're seeing, right? Maybe you could just say we don't have the legs. We just we we exerted all the energy back in Miami. They were like, nah, we're gonna close this shit out right now. No, today. We're doing this right now. What does this say about both Jimmy Butler and also the Miami Heat going forward, where they have the Knicks and they have a legitimate shot at not just the Eastern Conference Finals, but if things go right, they could be representing the, fi- the the East in the Finals as an eight seed. First of all, I want to give a lot of, a lot of credit to the Heat as an organization. This is what culture is about, and this is why it's important to find pieces um, that align with you culturally and fit into what you're trying to do. That their mentality is just not one that's going to allow them to go in there and say, hey, we just don't have it tonight and we're down nine in the fourth. So let's just pack it up and we'll get them at home. Like there's no there's no part of the heat DNA um that would allow that. And and you know Jimmy is 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 a prime example of that. Like he embodies what that heat culture and, and what they stand for. And, and and so there's no there was no part of me that thought that they were going to fold the tent. I just felt like Milwaukee had it to some degree under control in a way that was going to allow them to get out of there, no matter what the Heat did. And I knew they weren't going to stop fighting. But you got to give a lot of credit, obviously, to, to to Jimmy the Heat and 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 Spo and company. But moving forward, I mean, anytime you extract the number one seed from the equation, um, you know, the number two seed is is getting pushed a little bit in a way that we didn't see coming by by Atlanta. And then the number three seed is going to have a player playing at, I don't know, 70% with a knee brace. And you don't know what that injury looks like. Anytime you tell me that, I mean, there's a shot and we shouldn't really be surprised because the heat, you know, last year they were a shot away. Um, You know, they represented the Eastern conference a few years ago. Now 
here's why I didn't think the Heat were going to be able to do this. I mean, they hadn't played great offensively all year. Um, and when you extract their second, you know, debatably their second option offensively, like I think, I think Tyler Hero is their second best bucket getter. I don't know what the stats bear out with him and Bam, but I think he's their second best bucket getter on an offense that wasn't very good in the regular season. I didn't think they could do that. I didn't think that they were going to be able to, to have enough firepower to beat a team like Milwaukee. Now, I don't know, and I probably shouldn't say this because it flies in the face of everything he just did. I don't know how sustainable it is for Jimmy to keep doing this. I'm not counting him out at all because I know better than that now. I got enough of a sample size, but man, that's a lot of heavy lifting offensively night in and night out. And I do think that there will be teams that do what Milwaukee should have done, Logan, which is say, hey, fuck that. Anybody other than Jimmy. I think teams are going to do that. Teams are going to do that. And when they do that, I don't know that the Heat have enough to get all the way to the finals. I mean, you know, I look, Heat Knicks, 90s basketball, throwback. That's like a rivalry game. Let's fucking go. So it's a rivalry Let's series. Fucking so go. Anything could happen. But I do think that that you know, when you take away your second best offensive option and you're not a good offense to begin with, the chances of you navigating all the way through to the to the Eastern, you know, conference representative in the finals, I don't think that's likely. So that's interesting you say that, right? Because the biggest comp to this run that Jimmy is having is the bubble 2020 season, right? Mm-hmm. And there is a big difference in that. The big difference is Jimmy never had to travel. He never had to go through, you know, the the rigors of that, right? Like I we I just referenced um I just referenced Grizzlies Lakers, right? Correct. Not only was LeBron and AD tired after the game, they had to fly three and a half hours to go to Memphis, right? And that's what's going to be happening with the with the uh, with the Heat for now on, right? They're gonna if Jimmy has a big game, he's going to be tired, of course. I don't know how t- what that means for anything, right? But like he's going to have to take flights and and and. just do things that a normal NBA player is going to do. That's the one thing. Number two is, and also to your point of just overexertion and things like that, even if he gets to the finals and gets to the the heat to the finals, by that time, he's not going to have enough. It's just not going, it's not going to happen. It can't, it can't work, especially if someone out of the East say he plays a, they play the, Suns, or they play the Warriors, or they play the Nuggets, or they play the Lakers. There's multiple scores on those other teams. There's multiple people that can get offense and sustain offense. I don't. I I think it. I think it's possible, but like I don't think that they win a title because that's just way too much to overcome for one guy. That's a lot. When's the last time in eight? I'm, I I mean this like because I don't have the answer. When's the last time in eight was the was their conference's representative in the finals? Do we have a stat on that? Hey, if we could get a stat, we have a research team. I'd appreciate that. We don't have a research team, but Kai, it's it's highly unlikely. And I would just say this because I know what the pushback from a lot of people is going to be, and I I respect the pushback because all of these guys in Tyler Hero's absence, Victor Oladipo's absence, had played great. Like Kevin Love playing great, Bam stepped up. Like you've had you've had Duncan Robinson, even though it wasn't last night, have moments. Gabe Vincent was great. Like you had people. Caleb Martin's been playing well, and that's all true. But none of those are, hey, take this ball and get buckets um, to bring us home down the stretch of a playoff game type of player right now. Bam might turn into that. 
Kevin Love might have been that at one time. Like the other guys, I don't think really fit into that mold. But the point is, as teams start really locking in and and getting the ball out of Jimmy's hands, which for whatever reason, Milwaukee decided it was better to let Jimmy cook them. And and I don't I don't have to understand that. That was their decision. I think other teams are going to challenge those dudes to have to beat them. And even if Jimmy plays great, not give him the opportunity to have 56 and 42, like maybe it's just 30 or 29 because we're limiting shot attempts by, by our defensive strategy. Yeah. And then those other guys got to beat, beat us over the course of seven. And I just don't see that playing out like that to the tune of a, to an NBA finals appearance. And also playing against the Knicks, Jimmy's going to get his ass kicked. I mean, <laughs> that's just what it is. Tibbs is going to put bodies on him. And it's going to be a rough series for him. Even if he gets out of it, it's going to be tough. Like, the 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 Knicks are a tough basketball team. What do you see in that matchup? Oh, man. Uh, again, a, a lot of this, the success or, or lack thereof for, for, for the Heat is going to be predicated on, you know, how that supporting cast shoots the ball. You know what I mean? To keep New York honest. And, and conversely, a lot of the Knicks' success is going to be based on whether or not they can figure out how to take Jimmy Butler's, you know, ball dominant kind of playmaking, shot making style, limit its production, and at the same time, keep everybody else honest. We're not just giving you fucking freebies. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, yeah. you know, that that's the game, at least, you know, offensively for the Heat and defensively for the Knicks. I think offensively for the Knicks, you know what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the difference between the heat, it wasn't defensively. That hasn't been the difference between them in the, in the, in the uh, regular season and postseason. The difference has been their offense has come to life in a way that, again, if you saw it come in, hey, tap in. You know what I mean? Like even heat fans, like I know yeah. fans are like, yo, we could win this series and kudos to you. But if you saw this offensive, like, uh, awakening coming, like tap in. I'd like to hear about it and tell me why. So, what's South Florida feeling like right now, Ra? What's it? What's the energy down there? What's going on? How's oh, it? How's it? How's it? We're on fire, man. We're on fire. I was listening to to some sports talk radio yesterday, um, taking my kids to school, and it was all about like, yo, we could come in here tomorrow, and it could be Nick's Nick's Heat. You know, those were those were in my wheelhouse in terms of being a young basketball player, like. I'm all for it, and I'm you know I, I, kudos to the Heat. But I, think I could the have game, seen you playing in the Heat in the Heat uh, Knicks rivalry. I could t totally see you playing in that fucking rivalry, bro. Oh, that like was 95, 96. Was, that's your bag. That's your that's fucking my, bag. Dude. That is my bag. And a lot of those dudes, like that Heat team, those are cats that raised me. Um, you know, in these Miami gyms when it was you know uh, pros versus college players and pick up. And I was one of the young, really good high school players around here. They would bring me in, let me get in games with them and, you know, mentor me a little bit and, and, you know, beat me up in a way that was, that was going to be beneficial for me down the line, even though I didn't understand it at the time. So yeah, I've, I'm always in love with those series. And so it'll be fun to watch. I do think the game is played in, in the space of what is Miami able to, to do offensively coming off of a you know a series like that Jimmy Butler specifically and what the Knicks game plan and strategy is going to be to kind of limit that. Yeah, and you know, fortunately they got it done in 5 cuz they can get a little bit of rest, you know, going into the next series. Um I imagine it might start Sunday. So you get a couple of days, maybe get to uh get you know get some legs back. That's a good thing about winning in 5. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to get to the Milwaukee point of view of this, man. Just, I was talking to Kai in the pre-pod. Just perpetual bag droppers. All right? Like, yeah. I just, like, I. they deserve to lose the series. There's no way, there's no way at all that they, like, they never had a chance considering the mistakes that they made, the egregious mistakes that they made, man. And I'm, I'm just going to go to game, to game five at this point, right? The throwaway, the unexplicable throwaway from Giannis, right? All the jump balls. After you catch the jump ball, you throw the ball out of bounds. You you literally catch the jump ball, just dribble a little bit, get fouled, fucking shoot free throws, win the game, right? Right there. That's one thing. Then the grace at Allen was, was just, my goodness, my goodness, Raja. Yeah. Where does that, st- what is, what does that stem from? And does there need to be a change in Milwaukee? Because that's that's the, that's all the talk. You talk about sports radio. All the talk of sports radio in Milwaukee and beyond is going to be talking about is Coach Bud going to be? They're going to need to be a change at their coaching position. And honestly, after what we saw over the last two games, from a strategic standpoint, it's it's looking grim. Okay, first of all, this series as a whole was fumbled by Milwaukee as an organization. Their approach to this series was so, we take this shit for granted, lackadaisical. It was comedic. Like they, they, were, they were acting as if there was no possibility at all that Miami was going to beat them in this series. You could see it in the way they approached, you know, game one, albeit minus Giannis, right? Again, I don't know Giannis's health, but you could see it in the way they kind of managed Giannis in, in, in game three. You know, basically saying, hey, we're not going to roll him out. You know, we'll take care of this on the back end. We'll give him an extra day of rest. Like, and I understand it. And I'm, I'm not a medical professional, but I tend to think he was a, a, a decent percentage of himself. And they just said, hey, if we can get him one more day, um, we're going to handle this on the back end. So let's just let's get him the day and then we'll take care of it. But all of that speaks to you just taking for granted what you're playing against. You know what I mean? So like they, I think they approached it like that. I think you saw it um, in the last game in Miami when everyone watching that game, I mean, everyone watching that game was like, yo, this shit's a wrap. And they, and, and Milwaukee just started to your, to use a, 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 a Loganism. They just started fumbling the bag, just left and right, just giving it away. Now I'll say this. So, so, so their whole approach from the organization to the players, to maybe even the coaches, it just seemed really, really loose for a, for a playoff you know, championship level team, right? Um, does Bud and staff have some culpability in, in some of this shit? Absolutely. But I tell you this, like Bud wasn't the one handing in Miami the ball back. He wasn't the one throwing the ball out of bounds and shit like that. Bud didn't miss, you know, Bud didn't miss all of them free throws last night. I'm trying to look up the free throws that, that Giannis missed. And as a team, I 10 think 10 of missed, 23. Yeah. Like Bud didn't Giannis miss himself was like 10 of 23 from the field. You make those free throws that, that you know, or half of, of the ones that you missed and the game is over. We're not in this situation. So while, yes, the, the, the coaching, you know, that a lot of things down the stretch, especially the last play out of bounds where Jimmy Butler's got to basically pull a rabbit out of his ass to, 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 to send you into overtime. Like strategically, you got Giannis not on Jimmy. You don't have, you know, big Brook all over. I mean, uh, yeah, all over the ball. Like there are some things. I would have wanted them to do better. But that's not just the coaches. That's the players. 
That's the organization. And I think their whole approach to this was, we're nice. We got, this is about finals. And they overlooked their their opponent in a way that bit them squarely in the ass. Now, the Giannis injury was was a tough one, right? Because when you're overlooking a team and you're coming out on some bullshit, you could still beat them, but you couldn't afford for Giannis to be out for, for basically three games and expect to win. Because you give them, like, he go up 2-1, they're ready to go. They're, you you just when you do something like that, you the other team builds confidence. They build confidence and they continue. And then, especially a team like the Heat, which is a proud organization, we talk about Heat culture like per, basically once a month on this podcast. And you, it's one thing to do that against a lesser team that you. Don't, I don't even want to say the name of teams that we could do, but like a le, a, a team, you could do that with any other team, but the Miami Heat. Right, because they start to get confidence, they start to grow, they start to see, and then they see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, oh fuck, yeah, we're we're gonna win this series. Then you have the Jimmy Butler games of like, oh, we see food when we see them play. And that's what happened in Game Five. I try to say it to the, uh, you know the teams I coach. I don't know who agrees or disagrees or, or would disagree with this, but is what I say to my teams: you can't give anyone hope. You can't give anyone hope. Now, if they have hope. Because that's how they're built and, and they ain't afraid. And in the face of insurmountable odds, they still believe and they've been conditioned to do that, then good for them. But we ain't going to give you hope by fumbling the bag and taking our foot off the pedal when we have you down. When we have you down and we have you doubtful and we can and, and we dictate what that looks like, you got to stomp them out. Foot on neck, no breath. Do you understand what yep. I'm saying? Like from from a from a metaphorical type of like w- that's our job as a competitor. Like I give you no hope that you can survive this situation. So if there's anything in you that says, "Hey, let's go home," that part of you takes over because when you look over at me and the way I'm executing and the way I'm acting and the way I'm physical, you just say, "Hey, bro, it don't even make no sense to keep fighting. We're done." But that's in any yeah. competitive environment. So I sent you a clip pre-pod. I'm not even sure if you looked at it. I didn't even. I didn't even, I didn't see it, but Giannis says he got into it with a reporter and he goes and he says, this season is not a failure. It's just a step. What do you think this is for Giannis going into next season? What is this season for them? Cause I mean, it damn sure wasn't a success. Like, I don't know what middle ground you want to call it, but it was not a success. So what would you call this season for the Bucks? And what does Giannis need to do going into next season? What what how what kind of mindset does he have to? Does he need some Ben Affleck time? Does he need to run some fucking hills? Does he need to go look in the beach out into the abyss and just wonder what's going on? Like what 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 is the what is the mindset he what is the summer like for Giannis and Kumbo going into next season? I mean, I don't know. Giannis's Giannis's game save for the free throws look pretty good. I mean, in game what was it? Four. I, I found myself sitting there watching Giannis distribute the ball and make no look passes out of pick and roll that I I even I said it out loud. I was like, damn, bro, he's just getting better and better like that. Like, you know, he was out there looking like magic and Jokic with the ball in his hands. So, like, I think he continues to improve. I don't know from a physical um, you know, obviously miss free throws and stuff like that. You can always get better at stuff like that. But um, I, let me just touch on the the the, the reporter side of it. Um, I, I mean, look, again, you're getting athletes up there at, at very emotional times. There's a lot of stuff coursing through somebody's 
you know, body at that point when the bag is fumbled and and you're up there asking him questions. I didn't think it was an awful question. I thought the wording that he should have used was it a disappointment because a failure, um, you know, to Giannis's point, that brings in a whole lot of stuff. Like fa- failing, no one's failing. They're professional athletes. Now it was a disappointment in that our goal was to win a championship, and we definitely fell short of that. A failure in that. You know, I mean, a disappointment in that a one loss to an eight, but not a failure. Like a failure is a very, it's a very strong word. And I didn't, and this, I'd be interested to hear your take on this. I didn't have a problem with Giannis saying that's not a good question. I People were all up in arms about that this morning, like reporters and stuff like that. I don't have a problem with that. I don't think it was a great wording of a question. And, you know, to some degree, why, why? You know, look, this is my inner athlete coming out to defend, but why can you write an article saying that my decision, you know, down the last two minutes of a game was a bad decision and that's your job and you're allowed to do that. And if you ask a question that I deem not to be a good question, I tell you that I don't understand. Well, I don't have a problem with the exchange at all. Like, I, okay. I don't. I mean, Eric is the the guy from The Athletic. Eric Nelm, great reporter. Also great, like, with Giannis. Like, one of the, like... Right. Like, if you want to hear Giannis' story, you go and read Eric, right? Right. And I will say this. Like, after... I don't know the... the I don't know the context. I don't think Eric has asked him the similar question, like, last year, too. Like, was this a failure? I think that when... Wording is important, especially like during those times, right? Because you can get you can get a similar answer no matter the wording. Like if you said disappointment, you might get a better answer instead of like, what do you mean? And and you get a better answer. Um, but I think one thing that, you know, like how you guys are after a game, especially a playoff game up in arms, and I don't want to speak necessarily for Eric because I don't really know him like that and I don't know his process, but I'm just speaking from like a personal standpoint. When you get to these press conferences, it's tough because you're going to be on television, like no matter what, like everything is recorded. So like how you guys might have trepidation and like have just like, you know, we don't know what we're going to say. We have that too. Like it's a fear there. Like, okay, I guess we're going to have to say this and we're going to, and then we're going to get put, we might get put on the summer game screen. It just might happen. And <laughs> just for Eric, it wound up happening. Like yeah. <laughs> it was just his turn. <laughs> I, I, but I don't know. I don't think it affects the relationship. I think it was just like, okay, you know, I could have worded that better. You know, I think it, I think just not even on a, like a attack. I just think like, if you would have usually just learn from those things, it is what it is. Like, it's just, it's, it's not even that big of a deal. Honestly, I think him and Giannis and Eric is still going to write baller ass stories about Giannis and, and Giannis is just mad at this point it is what it is. It didn't seem like it was hella aggressive. It's there seemed at least from the exchange, it would suggest that there was a relationship there prior to that. And, you know, I, I just, I just saw some people this morning that, that were, you know, kind of upset about the way Giannis approached that. And I found that interesting. I don't have a problem with the way, I don't have a problem with the way that he, he approached it though, because like, yo, it's in the moment he's pissed. Like his game, his, his season just ended also like Giannis is one of those players where his legacy is tied to every single playoff loss. It's not just a regular loss. So I get it. Like, I don't, I'm not mad at it. It shit happens. No, that's what's up. And I, I mean, it was a catastrophic, catastrophic loss, but here's why I think like disappointment versus and and this happens a lot. Like we dehumanize kind of like the, our, our, our athletes and our stars and, and, and stuff like that. Like a, a failure. There were so many positives behind the scenes in the Milwaukee 
organization this year. And I wasn't even there, but I'm talking about, you know, um, lessons learned, um, relationships uh, made that may last a lifetime, um, personal issues overcome with the help of, you know, your quote unquote family in that locker room, dudes dealing with stuff and coming in and not knowing how they're going to get from point A to point B, or even if they're going to be able to continue to do it the way they thought they could do it. And the support of that locker room and that team helped them navigate through that. Like these are things that you can never say a season is a failure because the, of the things that human, you know, as human beings transpired there throughout the course of that season, like that is a, that is a year of people's lives questing for something together and, and the stories and the, the, the relationships and all of the connectivity that comes with that can never be classified as a failure. And it wasn't like they got in trouble or anything. It wasn't like they, it wasn't like they, they did anything right. They lost the playoff series. Like it wasn't like they, you know, there's right. been some seasons and, and, from teams where shit is fucked. Failure just is a very, very strong word. It's almost like, you know, it's not like it, but it's almost like never. When you say never, you're, you're now bringing into like, brother, never? Like you're going to tell me never? That can never happen? Like that's a, it's a big word. And so that's why I think that, and this is probably silly that I'm still on it, but that's why I think that disappointment, because certainly catastrophic disappointment, huge disappointment, but a failure would discount everything that happened there, you know, this year and, and, and what that's done to people's lives and the trajectory of their lives. And, and, and I don't think, you know, that that's fair. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, Again, don't have a problem with the exchange on either side. Like, yeah. yo, you made you didn't get the answer that you wanted to. You know, shit happens. Like, this is this is this is the NBA. I'm um, gonna take a quick break, um, and let's preview some of the games tonight and beyond. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The NBA playoffs are here and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA right now and place a $5 bet and you'll get an instant 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. I'm going to tell you about some of the exciting new bets that you can only find on FanDuel, like largest comeback or both teams to score in the first minute of a game or maybe last basket score. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Just go to FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and sign up to get $150 in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. 
FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana or visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. And we are back. Raja, one question that I wanted to ask you in the last segment, but we kind of carry it over to this segment. Um, the lower seeds, the success of the lower seeds in the in the NBA postseason, um, talking about the Warriors, I'm talking about the Lakers, I'm talking about uh, talking about the Heat, talking about shit, may, might be talking about the uh, Atlanta Hawks somehow. Mm. We'll see. Um, what is it about this season with lower seeds and their success. Why have they had success this season in a way that I don't think I've ever seen a lower seed have the, just like down the line, lower seeds have just been really, really good. What What is the change this season? I don't have a great answer for that, Logan. I mean, I, I'll, I'll attempt to answer it. I mean, you know, there've been different situations where injuries, obviously Giannis, um, you know, it, 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 it that that changes stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't want to be an old curmudgeon and be sitting here and saying the style of play. Lens, but um, you know, you, you you had some. This is just. I think it's an an anomaly of a year. Like again, one of these lower seeds is a Laker team. You got LeBron and AD on it, right? That that couldn't <laughs> right. figure out how to stay healthy, and it, you know, it was it was more than half of a year with Russ that was a bad fit. And so the chemistry was all crazy. And then there's this move made. So they're playing great as a, as a play in team coming down the stretch, right? Like, like if this a, current Lakers team, like started the season, they'd probably win like 55, 56 games. It's word, not even a question. And, and so then your other team, right? The, another one that you referenced is, is, you know, golden state and they're a multi multiple championship, you know, team coming off of, maybe their best one of, of all last year. There's a little bit of a hangover. It's a little sleepy. The Draymond stuff at the beginning of the season, and then we're going to be without Andrew Wiggins for a huge chunk of the season. Uh, um, You know what I mean? And then they catch a team that's probably a year ahead of schedule in Sacramento, right? Yeah. So, like, these are all circumstances that I don't think you that, that you duplicate from year to year. Like, so, you know, those are those are two tough teams to pull if you're the higher seed. Um, and then obviously, yeah. you know, Giannis, you know, and the injury and then Milwaukee just fumbling the bag. I don't have a great excuse for that other than fucking playoff Jimmy showed up. Jesus. 
Let's go to the first game of uh, <laughs> the game tonight. Goodness. Hawks, Celtics in in Atlanta for game six. I let's talk through this, man. Like, I I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'm going on the West Coast. I, I, I just I haven't watched much of this series just for the simple fact that I expected the Boston Celtics to sweep this team. I mean, I don't know the Hawks. We've talked about we have never talked about the Hawks this season in glowing terms because of all the dysfunction that has happened. Right. Apparently, when here's the thing, this is not even a joke because it's facts. Apparently, when Trey Young like has a dysfunctional situation with his coach midseason, and that said coach gets fired, apparently that just sparks Trey Young to do great in the postseason. We saw it when Lloyd Pierce got canned. And then Nate McMillan just brings them to the Eastern Conference Finals, right? And then, oh, Nate McMillan's time is over. Let's get it, Quinn Snyder. Let's, let's fucking go. They get through the play-in. And then now, Roger, we were talking about the Celtics being a fucking shoe-in to go to the Finals. Now they're going in, and this, this might be a seven-game series. Like, there's a legitimate possibility that this is going back to Boston 3-3. What the hell is going on in this series, Rob? Well, I mean, I've obviously don't watch the entirety of every game, but I've been I've been in on some of these games and I mean, Logan, when I watch it, I still feel like Boston's a better team. And I, that's not throwing any shade at Atlanta. They're playing great and they're doing what they need to do and they don't go anywhere. Like, they just keep hooping and keep coming at you and but I mean it's hard not to look at Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and and um you know Derek White Malcolm Brogdon like they just they they, they look like the better team when you're watching them out there you're like okay um and they Al should Horford. This, Al Horford this series should have been done Marcus Smart Marcus Smart fouled I forget who he fouled it was probably Trey Young at half court the other night with 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 I don't know how much time left it was one of the Dumbest plays. Marcus Smart is a great defender, but it was one of the dumbest plays. That's that's basically the game. You just gave them life in a way that they weren't going to have it. And you gifted them free throws and stopped the clock. And so, you know, that was just a huge, a huge mistake. And and then Trey does what Trey does and they're breathing. So like shout out to, to all of Atlanta's team for, for, and, and Quinn for doing what they're doing. But I think this boils down to Logan and, and, you know, Jay, Jay, your stars have to be stars in the playoffs. They got, they have to be stars. This isn't, this isn't the time for, you know, on the 06 Suns teams. Like, for example, the 06 Suns teams, right? Like, our stars were stars, and I scored 20, we win in playoff games. Now, in regular season games, I might be able to have 27, 28 and lead us in scoring and and we win the and we win you know a few of those games but it really happens like that in playoffs so like in playoff games i remember my career high was 33 in the clippers i think it was game 6 in la in a really big series but my stars weren't their normal selves that night our legs were beat up we had gone 7 with the lakers and i was the only one that kind of had it rolling so i took the lion's share of the offense on and 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 chimed in with 33 and guess what take that l we lost because it's not my time. You need your stars to be stars in the playoffs, and they gotta and they gotta kick in like that. You saw it last night with Memphis and and L.A. and LeBron even said it. Like I wasn't very good. Still, still, still a 
still a great player, but like if they're not going to produce to an to at least an average level for their stardom, like we're we're in we're we're in a we're in a bind. And so, you know, Jason Tatum, I believe, and and J- Jalen Brown, I think, will will we'll do that in a way that will let them get out of here tonight with a win. I think that's my prediction, but I don't know. Here's the thing, man. And listen, in a closeout game, Jason Tatum. We need more than 19 points, 8 for 21 from the field, bud. We just need that. Like, when you're closing out, a, how do you not close out a series at home like this, Raja? Like, DeJounte Murray's not playing. This is another thing real quick. And this is an observation that I've had with the Boston Celtics, right? Very deep team. Got dogs on the team. But every once in a while, they'll... They'll do some shit. It's like, what? Or they'll fold and you'll be like, how did you, why did you do that? Like, how did that happen? Right. Finals is a perfect example of that. Right. Like I saw, I, you know, and you can chalk that up to, I guess, experience from the Warriors over the Celtics, but they would do stuff throughout this, this season that would be like, it would be curious, right? Where, you know, they would have like a, a stretch of games where they look amazing. And like there was a case when I I guess it all goes with the Warriors because that's where I watch the majority of my games, right? So like I was at Chase for that that game in a early December game against the Celtics, and they were fucking rolling. They were rolling. And they were coming into Chase mm-hmm. and they this is a team that beat them in the finals. And this is a this is a in the you know, the Warriors were not good to start the season. And the Celtics got the brakes beat off of them. And they just looked like a team that was just not ready for the moment. And the Celtics, that's one thing that I always have pause because occasionally they'll have these moments where it's like, Wait, what are you guys doing? You guys are number one seed. You guys are number two seed, but you guys should be going to the finals. Like this should, you guys not only should be going to the finals, you guys are title contenders. Why do they have, I don't just don't get why they have these occasional brain farts. Like I, I just don't. They're clear. We just talked about this. They're clearly a better team than the Hawks. Just go ahead, fucking win in five, get your rest, go on to the next round. I just don't get it. This all, this always happens every couple of months for the Celtics with this group. Yeah, well, you know, that that's interesting. I don't have a great answer as to why that happens, but, you know, teams that are trying to win championships and consider themselves right on the verge of that, and I, I would have put Boston in that category. That typically doesn't happen. Now, maybe, and this probably isn't fair um, uh, uh, to their to their coach, but, you know, there, there, there was a change at the helm, and sometimes, sometimes that doesn't rear its, 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 its head in terms of, of, of whether one is better than the other or not. And I'm not saying Masula is not a great coach, but like sometimes that doesn't rear its head on, on in on-court production. It might be in, in times like, like, like that where like, Hey, we're going to keep you focused. We're going to keep everybody understanding what's at, at stake here in a way that, that uh, allows us not to have those lulls and brain farts. And so, because they came out in that game again, like I told you, Milwaukee looked like they took something for granted. If you watch Boston, at home, they thought that shit was just over. Their whole everything about their body language was like, "Yo, we're good. We're gonna we're gonna handle this. Not a problem." You know what I mean? And like, so Jason Tatum, here's the deal with the 19 points, Logan. Here's the deal with the 19 on eight for 21. Here's my problem. Real talk, because this is this is this is where someone has to someone. And again, maybe this goes back to coaching. And I'm I'm just kind of fleshing through this as I talk it out myself. You're eight for 21, one for 10, 19 off night. You know how many free throws Jason Tatum shot that night as a star? 
in the league. You know how many free throws he shot? How many? Two. He shot two free throws. That's unconscious. That cannot happen. There's someone has to say to him, hey, bro, look, this, this stakes are too big tonight. You're one of 10 from three-point range. I'm inclined to believe that you're not going to the cup. You're not being aggressive. You're settling for a lot of threes. And, correct. And that's okay if you're cooking. But one of the biggest areas of improvement for Jason Tatum this year, at least earlier when we talked about it in an episode, I don't know how long ago, was his physicality. You know, and his understanding that in moments like that, you know, that can get you over the hump, that ability to get to the rim and and put pressure on a defense. And now give give Atlanta credit and their interior defenders for sure. But I'm I'm certainly not going to just go one for 10, 19, you know, and only get to the line twice if I can help it. And I think someone, you know, that part of his maturity, but someone there as a staff or a teammate or someone has to impress upon him. Hey, man, we got to be a little bit more aggressive. We have to make these refs make decisions like we have to put the onus on them we've got to attack the bucket the coach thing is very interesting Roger because you go down the line on that team especially with that group I mean they're still kind of reconciling the departure of M.A. Udoka as a coach like right this is a guy that they really you know they see him as a guy that got them in line and held them accountable and got them to the finals, right? And then to suddenly say, oh, he's not our coach anymore. Obviously, we know, you know, what happened or we, you know, we're getting, we we saw, we saw all the things that happened, but from a coaching standpoint, he was the one that was able to get them to another level, at least in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And they were, they are, were, and are f- still feeling the effects of that. They really loved him as a coach. You could tell. You could tell. Even after all this has happened, all the main guys in that locker room have talked about how much he's helped them and 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 how much they were trying to, you know, get back to this level. And from a coaching standpoint, it's hard to change coaches that suddenly. And try to build another relationship. Now, I know Missoula's been there for years, right, as an assistant. But still, man, like, it's really hard to have that change. And I still think that those Celtics players are feeling the ramifications of that. Now, I haven't, I don't, I'm not in Boston like that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I was, I was there for an extended period of time. But from that time, you could see that was back in January. You could still see that they're reeling from those effects of that, that departure still yeah and understandably so that's that's a that's a very difficult thing to navigate and not just for the players but but for coach as well and you know i think he's done a really good job and will continue to do so but there just the slight change in it it could be preparation it could be messaging it could be in in um uh being proactive when you see situations like this that could arise hey we're up we're up th- like this understanding of your team. Do you know what I mean? Like just, just any, any little variance in that could, could lead to some of the things that you're talking about. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I tend to think that they'll be good tonight and I think stars will be stars tonight and, and, and I think they'll handle their business, but um, certainly asleep at the wheel a little bit the last time, you know, they were at home and had a chance to close it out. For sure. Let's talk about some of the, the closeout games really quickly. Um, tomorrow uh, will be, the Warriors Kings, which is gonna be I'm gonna go to that game. I'm gonna be at Chase Center. Um, I we don't have to speak too much on this series, but I think the Warriors wrapped that up. Last night was 
They were in control. I don't know how much you watched that game, but they were in control. The Warriors pretty much the entire game. They had they had it on lock. Even whenever the Kings made a run, it didn't matter. No one was phased. I knew it was over when you saw Draymond hitting corner threes and Dirk step backs. Motherfucker had 21 points. It was like the best scoring output he's had in like four years, bro. Yeah. Like he, it was vintage Draymond. And coming off the bench for him, and we'll talk about this probably in future episodes, he sees the game in a different way now, right? Like he, he gets to, I was asking him after the game, like what's the biggest difference? Right. Like, what's the biggest difference coming off the bench versus like seeing the game? He was like, I can I can see the game the first six minutes and just effortlessly go into it because I can already see what the matchups are going to be, how the flow is. It's so much easy. It's really easy for me to get into the game. So it's going to be curious to see how long he comes off the bench. But it's been it's been great for the Warriors. And I think they're going to wrap this up against the Kings tomorrow night in chase. They executed a a, a, a a game plan in in terms of you know kind of seizing control and keeping that crowd that could be that can be incredible keeping them as much that out of the game dead. as you could <laughs> yeah yeah I mean but look yeah. you know I had laid out a script for staying close and and uh, and being within striking distance and letting the pressure mount the only thing that's better than that is going in there and getting on top of them first. Well, the thing was, though, they, it, it actually, I was thinking about you, Roger, because it actually went exactly how you said it was going to go. The, the the Kings came out bonkers. They hit a whole bunch of threes. They were up, I think, nine in the first quarter. And then the Warriors just went on a run and got it to within three to close out the quarter. And then it was just, it was it was on and cracking from there. It was done. Yeah, that's essentially what you want to do, right? Is be be in an area where that crowd doesn't feel comfortable enough to be going crazy and celebrating and and getting vibes to a point where it lifts your 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 home players to another level and Golden State executed that script perfectly. I would say though, as crazy as the Chase Center is going to be and and as much as I like them and I think that, you know, I I would favor them. I don't see Sacramento going anywhere. I think they're built. I think they're built for it. I've seen enough of it now. Like now uh, if, if if it's close and Sacramento isn't you know seven to ten points better, I'm going with I'm going with Golden State. But but I think Sac will come to play. They just better they just better hit them with something that that they don't have an answer for. And quite frankly, I don't see that happening. But they'll they'll come to play. They'll fight, but they'll they'll get beat. They got some real ones on on, on Sacramento. De'Aaron Fox is just I I think he's going to be a dude. I think he's just going to be a dude. Dog Malik Monk in the fourth quarter, like down down nine or whatever it was, and and at that point, De'Aaron Fox wasn't cooking, and Malik was like, "Yo, I got it. I'll just start running up people's chests." Big uh, Bobby Jackson vibes from Malik Monk, like just from the simple fact of like can get you buckets when you need to, and also as a guy, remember Bobby Jackson used to just feed off the crowd. He yeah, just like, get that crowd going. For, remember back that back in the yeah, day. By, the Bobby, Bobby Jackson's out. I think he's he's a good day. Yeah, it was a deep cut. Yeah. Shout out to the guy, Bobby Jackson. Um, but Malik Monk has a lot of that in him. But I just think that they're at this point right now where, and you could see it in Game Five, where the Warriors know the assignment and the Kings just aren't there yet. They don't have that experience. They they can come out with guns ablazing at Chase Center, but they just don't know. They, they're not in a position where they even know how to finish at that level yet. And it'll it'll happen. There's a, they, they showed me a lot this season. They'll be fun next year. I'm excited to watch them. Um, so next game, um, Friday night, is Lakers-Grizzlies, game six. Now, I'm thinking that the Lakers are going to close this out. <laughs> but I don't know. 
I do. I can't. I I can't. I in theory, the Lakers should should close this out. But in practice, I'm not so sure, Ra Ra. I I just I don't know. I don't really know either. I tend to think that the Lakers will. This I know definitively. LeBron will be better at home. They better finish this. They better get it done in six because the energy and the output that he's going to have to put forth to be to be what they need him to be in game six, coming off of a subpar game five, is going to have him in a place physically where game seven, he's not going to be able to probably replicate that. Also, another thing, bro, they need to wrap this shit up. You know why? Because if they wrap it up, it's Braun versus Steph, bro. What the fuck? We need this happen, bro. Let's let's come on. Let's figure this shit out. Let's get it going. Let's get it going. Win your games, Lakers. Win your games, Warriors. Like the streets need Braun versus Steph. I'm, I'm sorry. It just is what it is. That's what the streets need. They do. I'm with that. But I'm, I'm telling you now, they better clean. Like when LeBron plays well, you better get that dub. If LeBron comes out and he's gassed, AD you better get the dub at AD. home. AD. AD. It's it's it comes down to AD. AD plays like how he played last game. They'll be fine. They'll be good. We need twenty. They, the Lakers need twenty-eight at least from AD and fifteen boards at least. That's what they need from him. I'm gonna pick the Lakers, but I'm. I'll, really I'm gonna take sure. the Lakers. Also, I'm gonna take the Lakers uh, too. I'm gonna take the Lakers. I'm gonna take the Lakers. Oh, wait, wait, what? What'd you say, Kai? Oh, we have a voicemail from a um a friend of the show, best friend of the show, because it's our first fucking pack watch of the year. Jomi, what's going on? What we got? Hey, Roger. Hey, Logan. Really, really happy to be back for another postseason edition of Pack Watch. Really looking forward to it. So let's just dive right in. You know, I could talk about Brooklyn, but they've been through enough already. The Cavs have been this sad since LeBron left the second time. And <laughs> you already know how I feel about Mall of America in the Metal Core and Louis Longley, right? But I think I got another team I'm going to talk. Hold on. Hold on. I'm getting a, a call. It's, it's a fraud. Hold on, let me see. Hello? Oh! The Clippers, what's going on? Every year! Every year we sit down at this time of the year and we're like, man, what about those Clippers? Oh my gosh, guys, guys, enough is enough! It's the same thing every year. We come in in October and we're like, the Clippers are Western Conference contenders. They got it. It's time. This is their year. We, they play 10 games. Like, yeah, this is it, guys. They, they, they've solved it. Then somebody gets hurt. Then it's load management. Then it's, ah, uh, you know, don't worry. The postseason. They're going to get it together in the postseason. The postseason comes around and they disappoint. Like clockwork. You can set your schedules to it. I'm sure if the Greeks still exist, this is how they would set their calendars. By Clipper time. Oh, it's May? There are no Clipper games around. Like, it's just, we got to stop. Society has advanced past the Los Angeles Clippers. It's time for all of us to move on. And I know that's harder for some of y'all. I know it's tough to let it go. I've got something for you. Just dial 1-800-QUICK-CLIPS and we'll get that mental block right out of your system because it's done. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody under the sound of my voice, the Clippers are done so. Are you not tired of being embarrassed? Are you not tired of being ashamed? Every year you come in and, and, I'm t- and y'all know what I'm talking about. 
y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Every year, the Clippers, they gonna do it. This is their year, man. Like, are you not, aren't you not embarrassed? Four years in a row, you've been wrong. Tighten up. Be better. Again, 1-800-QUICK-CLIPS will get that out of you. All right, Logan Roger. Again, happy to be here. Love you guys. Talk to you soon. Wow. <laughs> Shout out to the God. Shout out to the God. You know, he's in rare form. It's only first round. Mm. All right. Bless. Time to go to a little segment we like to call. It's our Thursday edition of We're One of the Week. Raja, I'm going to go first. I'm probably going to take yours. Yeah, go you with are. Jimmy Butler. <laughs> you know the fuck I'm going with Jimmy Butler. You know the fuck I'm going with Jimmy Butler. The God. He's going to do it. Like, like, come on, man. We already talked about why. It's Jimmy Butler. Who's your Who's your real one of the week, Raja? I mean... It's not it me because I just took it, your whole shit. I, I know. That's some bullshit. I'll go with Pat Riley. I'll go with the mm. Godfather. I go with the Godfather of the whole Heat culture, and and for for piggybacking off of the Jimmy Butler for finding the pieces that make sense for the Heat, and and some of them aren't always the the shiny, uh, cool toy that every other team in the league wants to play with. These are pieces that they got to kind of you know polish up and kind of knock some of the dust off, and you know they got a lot of pieces over there on that bench that other teams were like, "Nah, we're good on." And Pat finds them and his staff, they bring them in and they fit and they work and they identify what it is that they're looking for as a franchise. And so you wind up in situations like that. Obviously, Jimmy is a real one, but I give Pat real one since you stole Jimmy. Keep it in Miami. I love it, man. All right. That was our Thursday edition of Real Ones. We will see you guys on Monday. Man, it's going to be a popping second round. I can't fucking wait. Let's do it. Tap in all the shits. Ah, boom, boom, boom. Bye.